0: podcast. This week is with Joel Edwards. He is one of the co-owners of Evolve. It is a, a boutique production company and they have been doing amazing work at a high end for years now, um, working with the likes of ESPN, National Geographic, um, big time clients. A lot of times they will do very high end promos of shows that have pretty much a cinema high-end cinema aesthetic for selling the show as well as now they're getting into motion design and the, basically and Joel goes deep into this over the course of our discussion but they love getting very good at a technical aspect of, of filmmaking, of video, of um, anything really in terms of technical content and not just doing it and saying that, oh yeah, we can do that, but doing it in a certain level of excellence, a certain level of, of high boutique aesthetic. And that has garnered them an unbelievable uh, 34 nominations for national Emmys. And they have uh, won five of those in Best Promo Campaign, Outstanding Cinematography, and Journalism Categories. Uh, and I know I mentioned some, some um, clients that they've worked with, but th- the list goes on to Fox, Samsung, GMC, Discovery, Disney, Gatorade, Nike. Uh, it's just clear that these guys are at just from a boutique production company at the, at the height of their game. A quick shoot over to their website will just provide all of the uh, examples that you need to understand that. And it's quite interesting. He he has a lot of brothers, and um, they've been working at this together. Him and Jesse now work at Evolve, and it is interesting just to hear his life story and how you know the relationships with his brothers ended up culminating into working together. And I've always was curious because he, it seems like he's been at this forever, and the reality is. He has and that he's been doing it since a very young age and he's made some really smart decisions over the years which we go into that have really allowed him to blossom into creating a a company that, you know, has won major awards like Emmys and they do have hard spaces like, you know, a big production studio and, and offices and staff and that he loves being at the helm of all of it and it's not about, he is, he's a very talented DP, he's a very talented editor very talented motion graphics. And it's fascinating because a lot of times when people have the technical level that he has in any of those departments, it's because that's what they do. But he does them all. Um, And he's at a point where he likes hiring a lot of other people to do them, to do it. And he can be a part of it and facilitate. And obviously at times still performing these roles, especially when it's something that is near and dear, but it's, it's being at this higher level and thinking about things from 30,000 feet up, like he explains. And it's a unique position. And um, I haven't, you know, I think a lot of times on the podcast, we speak to individuals who are, you know, certainly excelling, uh, but they're excelling at at an aspect that they're really honing in on and making their craft. And I think his craft is the holistic nature of it all, which is cool because he's also quite talented in not in any of them. So anyway, that's a lot of high praise for Joel. Um, and I'd like to thank Film Supply for connecting us to them and Cody Dulock of Film Supply for um, getting this to happen. And so it was, I've known Joel for a few years now. Um, we originally met at Masters of Motion and he delivered a really heartfelt speech about the, the emotional aspects of, of choosing what you do with your life. And um, for someone who's so granular and technical, it's cool that that's the bigger thing that he spends his time thinking about. And so it was really. I've always found it to be inspirational, and this uh, conversation is no different. Just some housekeeping: if you can like and comment on iTunes, that will help spread the uh, conversation and the show further. We're on all social media channels at AVC Pod. That's our handle. And for any inquiries, questions, or uh, guest ideas, you can email uh, this show's producer, Courtney Ryan, at courtney at avcpod.com. So this week of Evolve, the boutique production company. Joel Edwards.
1: Honestly, I just love the title. Art vs. Commerce. You know? Cool, yeah. I I love the idea of that because I think that we we live in that and we struggle with that and there's tension with that exact sentiment. Art versus commerce. You know what the what the hell? How do how do we how do we how do we mix those two? And do it well and, you know, know that it is a, a perfect blend. I feel like, I say this all the time, I feel like filmmaking in particular is the perfect mesh of art and business. And oh, yeah. it's just well, interesting I to think interesting. about it that way, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, especially like a lot of people talk about this craft and I think more so in commercial filmmaking, but it does exist even in features because you're dealing with financing and whatever, but... We are talking about, oh yeah, like I just love this medium. And it's like, it's not as if you're loving something that doesn't have competing factions within it. You're talking about something that is actively, there are actively conflicting things happening within any given project. Where different departments are are struggling with each other and that it's constant compromise. Right. And it's amazing that people can find success both in the end result, but also in the collaborations that they have, even though they are constantly compromising with each other because no department gets exactly what they want because that's an impossible um, result.
1: That's right. Yeah. And I I would even take that a step further and just say big picture, like, let's just go, let's go back in history before movies were a thing. So I I don't know, what was the first movie? It's like 1900 or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, 1890, the first time someone assembled
0: like the the train robbery.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the first time that people put images together in a sequence and created a motion, you know, picture sequence. Before then, man, like no one was spending the kind of resource on art, and that's how it was viewed back then. You know, it was it was it was was art, and it it is it is still today. But I, I don't know that we always make that distinction because media, quote unquote, and TV and video and, and now, you know, internet, and all this stuff, there's just so much of it all the time every day. It's not really looked at as art anymore. But if you go all the way back, I mean, photography the, um, has always been an art form. Motion picture has always been an art form, and now it's just completely assimilated uh, into society and into business and into commerce. So,
0: yeah, you know what's interesting is that it, it's almost like there's an aesthetic threshold that if it's crossed into a, some sort of higher aesthetic, all of a sudden, right. well, that's art. Right. And it's like like a Super Bowl commercial is art. Because it's of a higher quality, but yet, you know, a a typical 30-second spot just selling cars is not art. And there's this, like, I'll know it when I see it, view of when something that's selling me something is allowed to be called art or not. Right. Um, Right. And and, and that's interesting, because I think over the course of um, your career and where you guys are now is that you are hired to make commercialized art, I think, because it's the higher aesthetic stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's really about it's a balance, you know. Like we were saying, it's a it's a balance of. This is why I just love I love the name of the podcast <laughs> and that music <laughs> and that music, dude. I love that music.
0: The jazz, I yeah. Need, right
1: I, I, oh gosh, it's like I just love it. Um, <laughs> you know, it is always um, always a real tangible space in what we do, especially now. Now that the stakes are a little higher, um, the mm. stage is a little bigger. And it's always that balancing act of, you know, art and business. There's obviously um, in in anything you're doing that's commissioned, there's always going to be an angle. I would even say that of narrative film, uh, we don't have anywhere near as much as experience with that. We're working on a couple of our first proper, you know, narrative feature films. Um, They're in early development stages uh, and that's going to be a fun experience, learning experience for sure. But we, we don't have any real experience in that. But even in that end, I, you know, there's still money. Um, someone is bringing money, whether it's a group of people or a single person or a studio or, you know, an organization or, or whatever. And so there, there is an angle and there is a message. Yeah, oh, there's
0: someone in that pipeline that wants to make money off of it. Yeah. Like still.
1: Yeah. And so
0: there's a bottom line.
1: You know, I think what we've seen in our own experience is that we're we know the the current influx of you know commission projects that come through our doors is we just try to play to that because it's honestly, the better we are at playing to the business side and doing our job so that the folks commissioning us are doing their job, the more successful we will be. And where the tension is, is where are we going to bring the art in? Where are we going to inject the art? Oh,
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> how do you play to that? How do you play to the business side? What do you mean by that exactly?
1: So it's really about you know, embracing some absolutes, and mm. and so if it's a commercial, if it's a product, if it's a brand, um, it's always knowing that our entire vision needs to be through the lens of that it's for this product or it's for that brand, and and that doesn't necessarily mean you know hard sell or blatant product placement, but it's just having to do the homework on the brand or on the product in really having to understand, you know, kind of the the baseline of here's what this is, here's what it does, and here's where the other folks either from the marketing team or from the product side yeah. or whatever like here are their goals. And Was this
0: a hard thing to learn or not learn? Cuz I think on the practical side it's it's obvious, but more was it hard in the beginning to realize that you they weren't just serving up a platform for you to make your art using their resources?
1: Yeah. Was that a learning curve? Yeah, but I think, um, you know, it's funny. You, you talk about where we're from and what motivates us and, you know, like why are you making the decisions in life that you are, which, gosh, I love that. Sit on that with an afternoon, I mean, in some bourbon, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's crack open a beer and really yeah, get into it. Yeah, I love it, dude. So, you know, I think... Uh, for us and for me personally you know evolve is is Jesse and I uh, we've built this together but for me personally I'm redneck man I'm, I'm blue collar I flipped houses I worked on a sod farm I was out of the house uh, right at 18 my, yeah. my own choice <laughs> and uh, yeah
0: well then let's use this opportunity <laughs> though to go back because when you were growing where'd you grow up in? Being- what you call yourself a redneck. Where'd you grow up doing that?
1: So that was in Michigan, but I've I've kinda of bounced all over. So we're originally born in LA area. Um Oh really? Yeah, and then Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Michigan, and then and then kinda of got started in Michigan in different places in California too. So all over the place. Uh, I always joke like you know we were reared for a uh, we were reared for the television industry. Lots of long nights in hotel rooms, you know. So <laughs> um, that that all felt that, that all felt pretty natural.
0: Was that affecting you positively, negatively? Was it uh, hard?
1: no. I th- I think it was positive. I mean, certainly when you grow up uh, and you get ripped away from your friends every two years, um, yeah.
0: Man.
1: You know, it's tough. But we also learned that we would make new friends and. Um, mm. And as we got older, you know, I can remember actually going back to visit some of my friends, you know, when I was like in fifth grade, we went back to Arkansas and it was cool. It was cool to, to already, you know, to be in fifth grade and to already understand social dynamics and to be like, Hey, we used to, used to just hang out together. Cause we were, you know, riding the bus and that really didn't mean anything. And now we're three years older and now we're actually talking about real stuff, you know, or engaging some life issues. So for whatever reason at a young age, uh, I was just kind of processing that and that helped me, um, that's you know, interesting. Yeah, I think, and it's just, you know, kind of my personality as well. But I've always been way older and acted way older than I was and have always just had older High friends. emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think I'm just kind of an old soul. I mean, I'm 32 now. Most of my friends are in their 40s. You know, we all have kids the same age. We're kind of in the same phase of life. So it's just, it's always, mm. it's always been that way. I think that's probably it helped. It
0: made you grow up quicker. Yeah, that's right, man. I would believe. That's but right. was there something, like, was it maybe parental influence? Like, I could see having to move every two years just becoming such a drag how are you were they reinforcing positivity like why were you allowed to yeah they what were gave you the ability to see things so positive
1: they were that's a
0: hard that's a hard childhood
1: well yeah I'm, I'm the oldest of four too so a part of it was kind of like hey we're gonna move and yeah that sucks and once you you know rip the initial band-aid off it's like all right well what are we doing bros you know i got i got my four bro or i got my three bros um so, you that know, must have helped yeah being the oldest
0: you're, 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 yeah and also like you're with a you were a traveling pack of friends. That's right. You have good relations. That's right.
1: We're a little film crew, man. We were driving around in a van with a bunch of shit, you know, like bu- <laughs> like bunch of cases and um you yeah, know, we were we did a family band thing for years, so I mean, we're just used to it, man. It was like gig life. Oh,
0: wow. Did you <laughs> so, yeah, like and how how young did um the idea of filmmaking be introduced? Like were you one of those young kids doing it or did that come a little later?
1: So for me, uh, when I got to high school, I really got into uh, just the social scene there. So I was, you know, playing varsity sports, uh, especially junior senior year. Man, I really we were just kind of living days and days and confused. If you've seen that movie, sweet um, <laughs> So that was us, man. Like we used to have parties uh, at my house when my parents would leave, called Ed's Fest. So uh, that <laughs> that was. Like we were heavily inspired by uh, the movie Old School, so uh, that, that was it, man. I, I did not really have a path in terms of post high school. Uh, we were in a cover band. I had long blonde hair, so all I really knew was Nirvana power chords, and at one point could tell you all 103 of Led Zeppelin's studio recorded songs. So that was that was high school, man, and. Um, we made home movies. Uh, Jesse had saved up some money and had bought a DV camera, and so we would, you know, we would make honestly okay. pretty, pretty silly, pretty silly comedy-based, mo- you know, kind of movies. We we so had. You
0: were getting into it since you were young.
1: Yeah, like we we had a whole uh, uh, secret agent rip-off movie called Ames Fond. You know, it was kind of a gosh, what's the word? Um,
0: Are you mocking it?
1: Yes, it was a parody film. Parody. Um, Called Ames Fund, and like we love Mel Brooks, man. So Robin Hood Men in Tights, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, like all time favorite. So, so we would just do that, and we would we would dink around, but we would take it a step further. I remember looking at some of our original um, original little home movies, and you know we were doing roto and adding explosions and sound design, and this was all through through Sony Vegas. Uh, And then I I remember I remember. when Final Cut dropped in their first iteration of Motion. When you, when you guys Motion, were making
0: this stuff, were you thinking at that time that it was going to like, were you guys talking like, what if we do this stuff
1: no No, no, no. So I had an aha moment. So after kind of getting kicked out of the house for, you know, one too many Ed's Fests and, uh, and some other stuff... Um, I was living with friends, and I, I got my own apartment with some friends, and was working uh, on a sod farm, which, by the way, is like the dirtiest thing you can ever do in your life. I mean, you literally just grow and harvest grass, and then go install it in rich people's lawns. Uh, so, so that is brutal work. That is hard labor. It's long days, uh, but it drives you because you're kind of paid. You know, you're paid by the pallet, and oh, really? And that's interesting. You know, and, incentive. Yeah, and uh, and so I learned a lot of and. You know, I've always been a hard worker. One of the favorite things that we did growing up is my dad would pay me to do graphic design. He published a newsletter, um, and so I, I was on Cork Express, one of the original iterations, and would lay stuff out and would it would do little graphics and titles. So it's just kind of been there forever. And mm. and, and he would also he was stingy man, so he he would only kind of pay you know kind of per piece. And so the more that we did, the more, you know the more bucks we'd get. And and that's good, and I think that that was an incredible driving factor. So for me, Sharpening I had a, your business yeah, yeah, and and so I had an aha moment um, when uh, the farm that I was working at. I flipped houses too, so I kind of did two different jobs. And in the farm I was working at, uh, went to get a uh, a quote for a commercial because they were a pretty big operation. I remember they came back and they were like, "Oh, it's crazy expensive, it's like twenty thousand dollars," you know. And this is two thousand four, two thousand yeah, this is late two thousand three. <laughs> And like that's just so crazy, and I remember being like, "Dude, I'll do that for a thousand bucks." You know, I'm like, I'm like, I can do that, and so I kind of had that moment of hadn't really been steered into this. Obviously, understood that there was an industry here, uh, film and TV, and that there's people that make this stuff, and there's a big industry around it. But this is before, kind of right before the big HD breakout, and yeah. It was very, very inclusive, insider kind of secret society industry at this point. Because I remember over the next year getting into it, and and people inside the industry and outside the industry just being like, you know, this is a very rare opportunity. So, um, long story short, got uh, a loan uh, for fifteen grand, bought a Sony FX1, I think, which was one of the original. Dude, that HDB. was my first camera. No way.
0: Dude, yeah, that, that. and like no one knows it. When I say my first camera was an FX1, no one knows what I'm talking It's Dude. an EX1 without XLR inputs. That's right.
1: that's right. And you need
0: to get your own XLR box. That's
1: right. You had to pay the extra money for the audio breakout. That's right. Yep. So, oh,
0: God, you're so, the first person I know that's owned yeah, one. Yeah,
1: man. HDV. Do you remember that nightmare? I mean, it was just uh. like how many times <laughs> you'd drop frames on ingesting through Firewire 400? It would just oh be Oh,
0: like, my uh. God. You're bringing up like Sorry. just absolute nightmares Sorry. of college
1: yeah i didn't I didn't want to uh I didn't want to go there but it's the truth and then the latest oh,
0: adapter oh and you know god, anytime yeah. you wanted to shoot anything your camera was like three and a half four feet long oh
1: my god man so that yeah that was so us uh, so we got into that we had numerous iterations we had the uh, hVX 200 of course with p2 mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: it was a huge deal um I mean you name it any of those original digital cameras in hD we we had them we used them um. And when
0: you first started out, now was the was the foundation for having your own production company just inherently there from the beginning because of the way that it all started for you?
1: Yeah, I, I've always been that older brother, family band leader, you know, Ed's Fest event curator. Uh, I've just, I've always had organization, uh, which is interesting because I'm by default not the best structured leader. Um, I don't know if you do the Enneagram. Out of your brothers. Yeah, I don't know if you do the Enneagram personality test. It's really interesting. Uh, it's like a Myers Briggs, but it kind of looks at it differently. And it's just shockingly revealing uh, for us. And our, our, we use it here. Our staff goes through it. A lot of my friends out here do it. And. And so my my number on there is I'm a leader, I'm brash, but I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a challenger. And so I'm fearless. I'll go in and kick the door down. My whole thing is ready, fire, aim, right? So I'm like, that's just me. And so there's not as much yeah. structure or, you know, intentionality and or, you know, delegating leadership knowledge, per se, as it is just I just run with stuff really hard. I'm really able to out-hustle and say, Hey, I have an idea. I want to pursue it. Um, it's just kind of relentless. And then we kind of fill in the details later. (laughs) So, so, so yeah, from, from the get go, I started an LLC. It was called J three TV productions. Um, it was for me and my brothers. I was immediately thought that those guys were going to do this with me. Um, they all have worked with me, uh, at one point or another, but Jesse who's number three in the list. So I'm 32, he's 26. He's a little bit younger. Um, he was the one that really kind of stuck and resonated with me. It was interesting too because when I was kind of in my dark days, when I when me and the family weren't talking, he was the one that was open and yeah. he, and he was receptive to me. Uh, when my other brothers a, a, in a season had kind of shut me out, and uh, they just kind of makes sense. Yeah,
0: things are now. Yeah, but that that's also interesting that you know it does make sense. I can understand how. Evolve as a family affair because it's always been a family affair, regardless if it was, um, you know, playing music and that or throwing parties. And then as you got older, it just kept going into this. And that makes a ton of sense. That's right. Um, And, you know, it also. Was just a natural progression.
1: Yep, and so we had that in in that business. I mean, you know, weddings, one hundred percent, little little tiny jobs, little corporate gigs, little events to cover, um, and it still wasn't sustaining mm. itself. So I actually I DJed on the weekends, um, just hustling, and then I ended up taking a job at a company in Detroit that did a lot of you know motivational speaking seminars and would turn them into you know a DVD series and set that you could purchase. So all throughout this time, I was freelancing and I was starting. Starting to work a lot with ESPN, so you know, first year 2004 was doing a lot of freelance stuff, kind of at a more elite television level. But then the day to day was, you know, whatever. How
0: would you how'd that connection start?
1: So I went to school for a total of one month and took one class at a, at a community college. <laughs> and on and on on the yeah. s- on the second week, they asked for volunteers to come out and do a ESPN college football game.
0: So you just had a unique opportunity.
1: Yeah, and so I was there and I networked at that event, and the guys were like, "Yo, this young kid has some hustle and has some smarts, and he's not afraid to jump into stuff." and Immediately just started those mm. opportunities. And I would take any freelance gig that, cool. that came. And then about about a year later, uh, I met some guys uh, in LA. They were good dudes. They were working in TV. And they kind of said, hey, we want to buy out this J3 TV thing and move you to Chicago. And we're going to invest capital and we'll build a little business. And so we did that. And um, Jesse came with.
0: How are you, how are you deciding that decision? Because that seems like... A pretty pivotal moment, and I could understand not being sure if it's the right move or not. How did you determine that that was a good move? Because clearly, it's led to all of this, so it was the right move.
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 a it's a great question, and it boils down to something that I still have to deal with to this very day in decisions that we're making right now, and it's uh it's humility being my characteristic, like being my character type. I'm telling you, man, there are days at my worst where I'm like a gorilla and I'm like just smashing down buildings. And, and that's the way I feel. Um, I have, I mm. have, I have, you know, we all have dark sides. And so for me, it's a very blunt, brazen, um, I can do it all. I've got, you know, I'm talented and I just, I can just bulldoze. The problem is, is that that never works. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter what you're able to bring to the table. If you are that kind of personality, you're going to fail, man. You are going to run people over. You're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt yourself. Uh, you're not going to be collaborative. People aren't going to, like, people aren't going to want to work with you. Um, and so the opposite side of, of my personality, and this is my healthy side, and this is where I try to lean, and I think all of the great decisions that I have made have been on this side, and all the bad ones have been on the other side, um, has been one of humility and one of, hey, I I, I can do mm. all this. I feel like that I could do it. But I'm choosing to either do it with others or I'm choosing to put myself aside and say, hey, I'm just going to be a part of this team or I'm just I'm not going to do this at all. I'm going to refer someone else. And it's it's just really interesting to see how that works. And there's something within our, you know, within our within our spirit that knows when you're in sync and knows when, Hey, you're, you're capable, but you're not having to force this, you know, you know, anything that you, any, any opportunity or a project or experience that you felt when you're like, this is amazing. And I didn't do anything or all I did was just show up. I mean, there's, there's like some real interesting mm. grace there. And so I, I've tried to put myself in those shoes. Uh, when it, whenever we're making big decisions, I honestly try to live there. It's good for kids. I mean, it's the same thing. Like you can get mad and, and, and be that parent, or you can you can be the parent that offers grace. So uh, I know that I got three. It's crazy. So it's it's one of those things where it's an intentional mindset. It does require a healthy state of mind. It does require being able to mature and know when you're dipping into the other side, and like your own radar needs to go off. Yeah. You need to be like, oh, this is this isn't this isn't me. This is not me at my best. So I have. I think it I'm Sounds like I'm tried by fire. Sounds, uh-huh. <laughs> I've been there enough. I've yeah. been enough well, on the it other sounds,
0: side. It sounds like was there there must have it sounds like there was a turning point where you had a moment where you realized, where like this the, the flip side, the humility side, like it needed to be that or otherwise you were just gonna go down a path that was not returnable from. Was there some was there a, a key moment that like you had this kind of wake up call?
1: There was. Yeah, there was there was numerous things um, that happened professionally and then a, a couple things that happened personally um, with uh, with my uh, marriage. And so, I mean, it's it takes work, man. We're celebrating 10 years tomorrow uh, and that.
0: Oh, wow. That
1: is my, thank you, man. That is my, if I have one accomplishment or one thing that I'm proud of most, it's that in my life because that woman legitimately means the world to me. And I just, I couldn't imagine myself without a partner like her. I couldn't imagine, you know, everything that we deal with, everything that we feel, uh, without someone, you know, like her. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And that takes work. And so early on, you know, young, brash, Joel was running around crazy, kicking down doors. Um, I can remember almost insultingly sounding smarter than a lot of uh, some of the older guys and gals in the industry uh, during the whole HD transition. I remember being on conference calls or talking to potential clients. We got into some unique opportunities with the ESPN, Fox, ABC Live Sports Connection. And I guarantee you, man, yeah. I would cringe if I could hear myself talk, just the way that I, I would kind of force technology down people's throats and tell them like, I think you think dinosaurs are going to- most older gonna... people
0: could hear themselves at early 20s, <laughs> they, would, they would cringe. That's true. You're That's not true. alone in that.
1: That's true. That's true. But um, you know what I mean? Like I just, I was that guy and I leaned on my persuasive charisma, but in, in sometimes a negative or fearful, like projecting fear of like, well, here's what's going to happen to you guys unless you go with us. Like I can remember, you know, mm. t- selling projects that way and just kind of being having having that demeanor. And some folks bought into it.
0: Like an always be closing intense thing. That, yeah, like, it was just it was just, just way, over the top, just
1: way too heavy handed, man. Anyone that anyone that meets me now is like. You know, hey, you're you're so chill, and how do you deal? And it's like, well, I wasn't always that way. Like, I had to prove to myself that my early methods just were not me. They didn't. It wasn't who I wanted to be. But I felt like I got injected into this industry so young, and so early um, that I had to literally build a shell of armor to feel to feel confident. And what that turned into was being just kind of abrasive and forward and just way too intense about mm. what we were selling and who, how we were going to work and all this stuff. So, um, and I think that the environment you I was me in, a lot
0: of, this reminds me <laughs> a lot of me to be honest with <laughs> I you. I
1: mean, dude, it's the, it's the, I've
0: been on the, I've been on the same kind of journey in ARC.
1: It's the Sony FX1 bros, man. Like you just get that camera in your hand.
0: <laughs> that, that camera just gave us angst. <laughs> yeah. It's like the
1: dark side, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, dude, that was kind of the story. We, we grew that company up in Chicago um, to a point where, you know, it, towards the end of it, I was actually trying to name it Evolve. I, I was, I got into a kick where I I was like, hey, we can't just be, you know, a little production company. We need to be a boutique agency. So I think that I had that vision back in the day before the boutique agency or kind of, you know, production company with benefits or production company plus um, was a thing. Mm. And it's popular. Before that became in vogue. Yeah, yeah. It's it's popular now. But I had that vision in, in 2008.
0: Well, you guys were one of the first. And I think that being one of the first to do that was definitely, you know, if you're at the beginning of a wave, um, you know, to the to the to the first person goes the spoils in that situation.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we we just we I kind of saw it going that way. I saw the need. I saw the from the client side dealing with so many different vendors and how that just stressed them out. And I was like, hey, man, we can do everything. You can walk in the door and we can do all of this and you can walk out and it can be done. And you're going to spend less. You're going to enjoy it more. You're going to be more hands-on uh, as a client. And I think that if there's one thing that's been definitive for us, and this goes back to that art and commerce conversation, is that we have embraced mm-hmm. We have embraced working with others, embraced working with clients, embraced working with people from the brand side. It, was, it has never been a, hey, walk into our doors and now you're in the art world. Now you got to deal with us and and we can give you something that you can't do, you know, but you have to do it our way. You have to, you know, if you're going to come in here and we're going to give you a treatment and you buy the treatment, well, then you buy the treatment. So go sit in Video Village and and watch the magic. Like that's never been us. And we have always, I think, tried to treat our clients, treat the people that are commissioning the work as equals. I mean, they obviously have a different skill set and they have a different knowledge and a different process. But 100% as equals is that you're as serious about your job as I am about mine. And and that has done mm. great things for us. It, it has attracted, A, the people that we want to work with. Uh, but it has also created a sense of camaraderie and trust. And uh, it kind of pushes Repeat away from everything that I saw. Well. Yeah, yeah. And it pushes away from everything that I saw when I first got into the industry, which was this really weird, really just, you know, weird set experience. And, um, it just was never for me. I was like, I don't like to pretend that we're something that we're not. So this whole, you know, fancy smancy putting cocaine on the line item in the bids like world, you know, that was Hollywood and commercials. Like, that's just, that's just not us. Um, and, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and I've been on those. I've been on those sets, well, man. Ask, I've been on those sets where yeah. the DP's missing like seven buttons, and his hair chest is all over everyone, and it's all just like, you know, Latin references and all this stuff. And, and I mean, that's that's cool, but um, I don't think that a lot of people are actually wired that way. And certainly, I'm finding more and more of the commissioning folks, the clients, uh, the guys that are that are yeah. going to partner with folks like us. They are incredibly intelligent in some cases they could be doing our jobs and most of them want a a shared experience and they really want to link arms with partners they want to partner up and it's just different And so so we saw that and and we we kind of embraced that and i think that helped us
0: for sure especially being one of the first to do it i have a question in terms of as it started to grow and your real both obviously as evolved but also as an individual started to get really good. Was there ever a an internal conflict about, you know, you were at a point where you are real as an individual, either as a director or a DP, was good enough to get signed to some big time agency and you could have, did you ever like, you know, what if I go and do I have personal aspirations for being either a cinematographer or or a director in this world. Was there ever a conflict with that versus building this business and only working within the confines of that business, even though obviously the confines have been very fruitful and great, but that, you know, there isn't this ability to um, realize your bigger, perhaps, artistic dreams, maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, that has... I'm, I'm in 14 years now. And so that has come up a lot. And especially in more of the breakout years, you know, so when you first, I remember like when we won our first Emmy and, uh, you know, that hmm. conversation was thrown around all sorts of guys calling uh, to rep or to do this and that. and It's funny, half those organizations aren't around anymore. Um, and, and so, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, man, I mean, this industry is so fickle it, and for us, we want to be in this for the long haul. I love what we do and I love the people that we get to do it with. And, and I just, you know, we, we obviously are going to have to change and grow and morph. And that's why we named the company evolve um, because it's never going to look the same as it did one year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Uh, But we're set up for that and we're set up to evolve with the industry. And and the biggest thing behind our company is not necessarily our real or our capabilities, but it is our hearts. And it is who we are uh, as beating heart human beings and, and what we bring to the table and our approach and our mentality and our work ethic and the way that we embrace a project that we take as if it's our own child and just push it. Yeah. Push it so far. As there much isn't... As, yeah. You know, so that's that's it. Yeah. And, and, that ha-
0: and I guess you feel that any artistic desires that you have, you're, you're happy with them being executed in that, in that way. You know, there isn't, there, there isn't like, like to, 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 to collaborate with an individual as solely as a DP or solely as a director, perhaps not. I mean, and that's fine. You know, I just we, find it so interesting.
1: No, I mean, I think we can and, and, and we do. I mean, there hasn't been, mm. there hasn't been one, th- there's certain instances, like we lose a lot of jobs yeah. to some of the larger companies Uh, which honestly, I'm still just a grateful kid that I'm like, oh, dude, we're pitching against the mill. We're pitching against NPC. All right, someone thinks we're legit. We made it to the top three. I mean, I'm happy with that. I mean, maybe that's... Maybe that's not uh, no. That's that's great. Maybe that's not cutthroat enough. But I, I'm like, I'm. That means that our work is getting better. In the in the moment that our work isn't getting better, then that's a problem, and that's what we try to keep our head down and, and focus on. You know, there might be specific instances uh, that we are kind of void from because they just wanted a single, you know, DGA director, um, or they just wanted uh, you mm. know this, you know, this or that. And so there there have been those. Certainly over the years, have thought about what the other opportunities are, but. But anything that we've really wanted to get into and that we've had a passion for, we've been able to do through Evolve. We've been able to do it our way. And and really, it's finding other people that are open to working different ways. And at the end of the day, just want to partner with, with really good people. I mean, let's just, yeah. let's just bring up like high-end post, uh, visual effects, motion design. That was something that I've had a passion for for years. Um, I used to do it uh, back in the day. And then about six years ago, when we started really getting into the TV stuff, we saw a blatant need just, just for better quality work. And we also saw a blatant need to be able to include it. Because again, this is during this whole assimilation of multiple partners and people bouncing around and how much of a, of a budgetary concern that could be, how much of a time concern that could yeah. be. You got different people with different vision. Um, to bring it all into one house and to do it really well and to execute, again, we, we just saw that need. And so... We just pursued that. And, you know, it was scrappy at first. I look back at some of our original visual effects and motion design work and I cringe and I'm like, oh. But, you know, we got way better and we we started to recruit very talented people, people that are our style, people that fit into our flow. Um, and, that, yeah. and that was something that was very important to me that I have a massive love and, and aesthetic for. And, um, and now we incorporate it and, and a lot of people don't even know that about us. You know, they, they assume that the graphics are done yeah, somewhere yeah, else. I mean, you have just
0: created this world. It's, it's a world where like, if you have a desire to do something, you're just like going to figure out how to be, how to do it yeah, that's in right. this world, that's which right. I could understand why that's so much more optimal. Yeah, um, that's right.
1: I, I don't like,
0: and I don't comforting.
1: like hurdles. I don't like hurdles, man. Uh, if there's you know something blocking the road creatively, I want to go to my team and be like, hey, go get the go get the cow plow out from the back and let's knock this out of the road. And so that's that's how we think. And um, you know sometimes it's easier said than done, but if it's a if it's a true passion, if it's something that we're really into, we're gonna find a way. We're gonna do it with excellence. That's that's mm. that's the new jam is that we can no longer just do to do. It, it, it also needs to be excellent, and so you know it's not just about owning a camera or shooting high speed or hey, let's do something in slow mo. It's like no, is it excellent slow mo? Because what's out there um, that, that we would look at and what we would aspire to do, and are we going to be able to you know live up to that? So this all just goes to do it right, yeah. not you know not not do it just to do it, and um, you know quantity uh, is is important, but it's always yeah. about it's always about the the quality of, of what you're doing. So. Um, we're yeah, in that we're it's, in that it's right
0: now. It's 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 dawning on me that like you are the um you're the epitome of the question of this podcast in terms of art and commerce because like as the business owner here but also like the chief creative too uh, even on the technical front like you're handling so much of it what aspect do you like the most
1: That is that's the question. I mean, I mean, it comes in seasons. Um, I went through the. That's a good answer. I went through the DP season, and um, and and I love it, but I I am just not obsessed with frames, like you know, like I used to be. Um, I am not as preoccupied, you know, with uh, a particular lens or um, a particular light source as I used to be. And I honestly think it's helped. Why our, do you think that is? I think. I think once you get in and you do it a lot and you're able to do it so well, um, someone like me, an entrepreneur, moves on to the next thing. And you're like, hey, man, Mm. I need need a challenge. And it's not that shooting isn't a challenge. I mean, obviously, um, to get great results and to do it consistently every single day, it's a challenge. But there are certain parts of it that you learn. And once you learn, you're just able to turn on. It's like riding a bike or drawing. So. Um, you know, I, I, think I just got to a point and I also got to a point where I wanted to start to bring in others and, and just collaborate mm-hmm. more and bring in other style another aesthetic. And I start to put as equal value on that as I did my own journey with it, you know, in, in my own style and, and, and what, and what I would do. And so what I love about evolve is it gives us, Gives us the opportunity to try different things and to keep pushing the bigger picture forward, like to push the art as a whole forward. And so sometimes on a certain kind of yeah. piece, that's about photography. So that's their, you know, or, you know, cinematography. I, I still call it photography, but um, the. The idea of like, we're going to do this live action. Here's the style. It's motivated by this. This is our marquee, you know, device that we're using to make this film, make this video, tell the story. It's all about the live action cinematography. So I like that. If that's the way that we're going into it, um, then that comes with a whole kind of set, in our opinion, of process and guidelines and what that's going to be. But that's just one tool, man. You know, there's there's editorial. There's editorial. Like if you look at our work, it... If people say this all the time. You have a style. I'm like, no, we don't. We can do anything. I'm like, no, you have a style. So that's like the business guy. You absolutely in. have a style. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
0: like, without question, yeah, you have a yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> so
1: you're, you're right. Still want to do your project. Uh, so. It's just one of those things where <laughs> it's one of those things where you know we're like um, embracing that a little bit more, and so we use that as a device, and we'll go into things, and, and sometimes we have to challenge ourselves because we know that style, we know the initial instinct of how we would cut something together, and so you know Jesse and I'll sit in the room, and we'll be like, no, like not gonna do that. Oh, well, maybe we do that? Like, no, not gonna do that. So we. We, we we try to make space uh for indie hour, which is which is our, our term that we use that was coined by Gareth Edwards. Uh, but on the late of the Star Wars he literally gave an entire hour planned, paid, in the schedule for exploration. And and so what that means is like mm. you don't you're not shooting your shots, you're not you're not checking off your, you know, your your list. You're sitting there and you're exploring. I love the idea of that. It's incredibly um Just, you know, innovative and smart that like the best stuff is coming when you're discovering. Uh, Even if you are the most talented person in the world, um, what you construe in your brain will be limited to what you construe in your brain. And so we love this idea of, you know, kind of explorative time. And a lot of that comes in the edit room. Uh, when you're just assuming, yeah. like, oh, hey, well, this is how this is supposed to come together. Well, why is that? Probably because you've seen 9,000 videos this week and all that's influencing your mind plus your own style. So um, it's tough, but like you have to be intentional about that. You have to force that time. And, and, and so it sounds, editorial is just funny. one thing, man, like like design and graphics. And that's a whole yeah. other thing. And, and that's another tool.
0: You have inadvertently answered the question without answering the question at all. Uh, Because the question was initially, what is your favorite aspect? And I think that the answer by proxy is leadership.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, it, It's weird because I don't think I would say that. But yeah. Yeah. I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I would say. (laughs) I would say, I would say shots, man. 60p. 60p is my favorite thing. (laughs)
0: Well, you you can wax poetic about every single department. Yeah, and and I and it's this might not be a breakthrough talking about any of those departments on a granular level, but you're talking about it from the holistic viewpoints. But like. And, you know, well, one could argue maybe that's directing. But on the same token, you're also talking about how it applies to the business aspect because a lot of this stuff is for commercial stuff. And then at that point, it's also, it's just so holistic that it's just the leadership of Evolve is the thing that you like the most. And I mean, at least from an outsider's perspective, that's also the answer for not going elsewhere because anywhere else, you can't be confined to a department, I don't think.
1: Gosh, man, you just... You just uh, you just cracked the cracked the nut of my brain of uh, what I've been trying to figure out what the hell I do around here for fourteen years. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I, I hope I just didn't turn into a crusty old creative director because that would suck.
0: <laughs> no, come on. I don't. I, no, it's not. That's not. It's not to be viewed in those right. terms.
1: No, it's it's so true. I mean, I How think that. It? Yeah, I think that for me, you know, I, again, I've certainly dipped into all those spaces, spent a season in in the, you know, kind of DP realm, camera phase, spent a season in the editorial phase, spent a season in the motion design phase, um, really ramping into that now, actually, pursuing a couple really interesting title sequences and just fun stuff that's going to push us into a whole new space. Um, and uh, I've, I've done kind of directing, per se, across all the board on all those different things i mean i do a lot of um do a heavy amount of our you know creative um concepts and treatments and pitches and all that kind of stuff and it's interesting too because in working with jesse uh jesse is a lot more focused uh but he also still touches a lot of different things and so um uh, what he when re- you say
0: focused you mean on one on yeah one technical like he, aspect? He,
1: yeah he wants to do one job like on any given day, you know, he's like, hey, I want to focus on directing. So on this job, like I'm going to just do really good at, at this and I'm going to work with camera and, and post and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, other times he'll shoot and he'll say, hey, I'm going to focus on, on DP and I'm going to just just focus on this. And so he's got he's got more of that focus, which I think helps us uh, mm. work, work together um, because we can, if called upon, dip in and out. We can literally flip flop if we need to do that. And kind of any given role and do it well, Um, but as a whole, and I and I think maybe at the more you know, say you know thirty thousand feet is where we are as a company, where we're going. I I've had a little more bandwidth to be thinking about. Well, hey, you know, we should be an all inclusive boutique and keep it all in one shop, and we need to figure out how to do that. You know. Um, and so I have mm-hmm. a little more space mm-hmm. to do those sorts of things. Cause those have been, those have been my, you know, pushes on. And when, when it's funny, you call it out, where does that bandwidth come from? It comes from, it comes from having the, having that 360 view and not just being in one thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, the, I agree with the you, But the advantage is that
0: you know those things weird. super well. I am caught in the tension.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm caught but, in like, the technic- tension because I don't know the- that I would say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, but I think, you know, what does make it unique is that your technical understanding of any of those are at of high performance yeah. level of any uh, spe- person who's doing that role specifically with their career. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's a unique trait.
1: I, I've always liked the analogy of like, you know, the the NASCAR racer. I, can't, I hate bringing up all these redneck analogies, dude. I'm just listening to myself. But it's, I mean, whatever. It's, it's you me. You are redneck. So... so the NASCAR driver self-proclaimed, self the, the NASCAR driver has to know his engine, you know. Um, yeah. In order, like he's got to know all the different parts to drive well. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a team that's actually making that machine run, you know, and so.
0: He, get, mm-hmm. he gets
1: he gets the credit because he's behind the wheel and making some crucial decisions and being reactionary i think is more important than in, in this industry it's really about how you react um yeah and so i like the idea of this driver right because yeah he threw you know pedal to the metal but it's all about reacting and so um I, I like that analogy and then there's obviously that machine does not run without all the other folks that you know tune it up and keep it in shape and, and know all the different parts and there's experts in all these different divisions So I've used that analogy in the past. Um, and I think it still holds true today is that um, that's how you do it as a, as a small group. And just in the last couple of years, we've, we've decided, cause we, we, we intentionally stayed small. We were just always, Hey, let's keep it small because we were doing so much hands-on and we're in a new season now, just this year of uh, intentional goals uh, for growth and, and, for, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out how do you take this handmade boutique thing and scale it a little bit um, simply for, simply for the for the love of having a little more normalcy having a little more family time being able to introduce right. some some more solid rhythm and not be as just as an estranged yeah. crazed freelancer running around you know 9 months behind on yeah. your invoices but yet you can't buy milk you know what i mean like it's crazy So it's, Mm -hmm. we've, we've, we've gone through that and, and, and now we're like, Hey man, a little bit older, three kids, uh, want to do this for the long haul. What are some things that we can start, you know, putting into place and what's that look like? And what did we talk about earlier? Talk about humility, talk about letting stuff go, talking about, you know, you know, me being my own roadblock and sometimes having to get out of the way. Uh, and that, and that's, that's what I'm in right now, man. And
0: yeah dude Indeed. my my last this this brings us perfectly into the last thing i wanted to bring up i um we've i first met you at uh master's in motion uh film conference that happens yearly in uh austin texas and um you were i you were one of the speakers that year and uh every year i think i well it's it's been evolving but a lot of the talks are more on the technical side about how to achieve certain lighting how to be um you know what your department does, whatever, and then you got up there, and and I think even more, I, 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 more astounding now, knowing how much you know into the technical, delivered a very emotional hour, talking about like, what are we doing with our lives, and where are we placing importance, and it was all the emotional existential things, and I guess I'm just curious, you know how has that been? It's yeah. a, it's amazing that that's still the rock when 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 you can be a complete tech nerd and like go deep into, you know, the program of a motion design thing. But yet, like when you're brought into that conference, you 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 spoke about like happiness.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, my uh, my 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 good friend and fellow uh, NYC director uh, L. Uh, L. Ginter said, dude, you got up there and gave a sermon. (laughs) I was like, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I did. Um, You know, man, I, I think that it's all, I I think the two are the same. I mean, if you look at, look at, look at why Elon Musk wants to go to the moon. I mean, yes, it's very technical. Mm. I mean, all this stuff is technical. Look at, look at Steve Jobs. I mean, very, very intense technical uh, it's the leverage of technology and what it allows us to do. But especially in a, in a, in a medium like film, um, tech is just one side of it. And I mean, I, I love film. I love video. I love the idea of it. We are, we are able to channel like the three powerful communication formats, you know, writing. So, so scripts, contents, words, writing, music, and images. Like Think about that for a second. I mean, is there anything else that that powerful? And so, that a makes me ask a lot of big picture questions. If I'm feeling that way about what it is that we're doing, and there's obviously a very technical uh, set of ingredients to actually you know do that well. But my mind just goes to well, why? And and why why do I feel that way? And what are we hearing? And and, and what what are these stories? And then all of a sudden you're you're construing all these really big picture. Um, goals and thoughts and points that come from intricate, detailed process and knowledge. Uh, And there's a tension between the two because you can get caught up in either or. And I feel like that I'm thriving best when I'm right in the middle of like the rubber band, right? Because you're leaning on Mm. both of these amazing um, mediums and, and amazing processes. And so that is the heart of it. and. I'm also just, I'm a very, I'm in touch with my emotions. I'm a spiritual guide. I'm like, yo, when I leave, like when I die, I want to leave the world a better place than, than, than I like showed up to. That would be like a goal for humanity. And so especially lately with the way, you know, things have been in our climate and our nation and the way that people act and the things that are happening around the world, I've just, I've, I've been refueled, reinvigorated. I've never been more, um, Never felt the importance more of what we do and what it's actually capable of. Mm. Um, We're in a very unique position that uh, we are paid and and it is our vocation to to make things that tell stories. And so I think that everyone listening has to hear that and has to understand the weight of that um, and cannot just go, you just cannot idle by dreaming about ISOs and three-stage map boxes and, and, and keyframes and what new filter in 3D tracking program you're going to use you know synthize by the way it's amazing um, but like the the <laughs> the like i i cannot here here's the point man i cannot live that way i can't i can't be mm-hmm. i can't have my heart engaged as a human being and allow uh, the techie stuff and all the nuance to invade the big picture i love that stuff I am a nerd bomber for sure. We leverage that stuff daily to achieve what we want to achieve. But like these, like these other, you know, like these other um, guys that are leading these these uh, innovative technology companies, man, I know that it's driven for a different reason. It's not because they love zeros and ones. It's because they know that they can use zeros and ones to do what they want to do.
0: Yeah, right on. Well, yeah, because it gets down to the point. It's like, what's the point in knowing all of these technical? abilities if if you if you're not really saying anything with them that's right and what's the point i think that um what's the point point? and i think i was excited to talk to you and i i had a feeling that we were going to get to this type of uh headspace because <laughs> that's that's where it seems to go with you and um yeah man i i've really enjoyed this conversation and um you know thanks so much for for, for sharing
1: I love it, dude. Love the podcast. Love what you're trying to, you know, say even just with the name. Uh, Always love talking to you. Hope to see you soon. And uh, cue that sick music, man.
0: There it is. Thank you, man.